Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 9, verses 1 to 7. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps upon the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you have spent any time paying attention to the headlines over the past few months and years, you are likely overwhelmed. We hear about the taking of human life far too often. We hear of murder over jealousy, revenge, money. We witness the taking of innocent civilian life in conflicts like war. And it grieves our hearts. And it should grieve our hearts. And it grieves the heart of God. And as God speaks to Noah and his sons following the flood, God helps us to understand just why murder is so grievous. To recap from two weeks ago, uh, we learned that God flooded the whole earth for the rampant wickedness and violence of humanity. And God starts starts over with Noah and his family. After the flood, he calls them to do what he called humans to do in the very beginning, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And now in this passage, God gives the animals for humans to eat as he gave plants to eat earlier. But then the Lord returns to the theme of violence, the very reason he flooded the earth in the first place. And he says in verse 5, And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. When an animal takes a human's life, God requires a reckoning. When one human sheds another human's blood, God requires a reckoning. This tells us how big a deal murder is to God, but but why exactly is it such a big deal? Well, verse 6 tells us, Every human is made in God's image and thus valuable. Verse 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man By man shall his blood be shed, for, because, God made man in his own image. And man here is referring to humanity, so it includes men and women. And so taking innocent life is wrong, because every human is made in God's image. Now being made in God's image means that we are are God's kin, his children. As a result, every human by nature of just their sheer existence has value and worth as made in God's image. Nothing changes that reality. Nothing alters that reality. And so an assault of murder on another person made in God's image 
is an assault on God himself. Imagine for a moment you have a priceless item. Maybe it's a baseball signed by Babe Ruth that your grandfather gave to you. Maybe it's a wedding ring that's passed down from generation to generation. Or maybe it's a beautiful statue by Michelangelo himself that your very rich friend gave to you. What would be your reaction if someone came into your home and smashed that item to bits? It would be devastating because that item has deep, deep value to you. And if you multiply that value by trillions, you don't even come close to the value of human life. You only get a tiny glimpse of how just how grievous taking another's life is. It's as if one smashed one of God's priceless living statues. Now, the penalty for murder in this passage also shows just how valuable life is. It's so precious that to shed innocent blood in murder is to forfeit one's own life. Because taking life is an affront to God who created that person. Now, in the Old Testament, we do see that God commands the death penalty in cases of premeditated murder. In this case, we move from speaking about innocent life to, to guilty life, lives that have taken lives. But whether or not this extends to modern-day modern death penalties is a completely different story. You see, in the Old Testament, God required two or three witnesses to condemn someone to death. And if those witnesses were lying and were framing an innocent person, they would be the ones condemned to death. This is different than our legal system today, and we also, if we want to talk about the death penalty, have to consider what the New Testament says as well. But this is not a sermon on the death penalty. The point of this passage that we're getting across today is that the taking of innocent life is wrong because humans are made in God's image and likeness. And since that is the case, we must respect each other as made in God's image. The one who determines our true value places extraordinary value on us. God cares deeply about those made in his image. And so the way we view, speak to, and act towards others matters. When we use our God-given tongues to curse those made in God's image, we sin against God. When we view ourselves as superior to another group, we devalue the image of God in them. And that's whether it's a political group or a particular country, an ethnic group, or just a group of people we don't like. When we grieve over some innocent lives taken but not others, we devalue those in God's image. When we use people as weapons to punish or manipulate others, we devalue those in God's image. And so if we return to the topic of bloodshed then, we have to understand that whether it's Ukrainian, Russian, Israeli, Palestinian, or American life, the taking of innocent life is wrong because that life is made in the image and likeness of God, our creator. Now by innocent, I don't mean innocent of any and all sin, because all of us have sinned. What I'm saying is innocent as in civilian life, or not guilty of murder, those sorts of things. Because no matter what countries are at war with one another at any given time, there is always a massive amount of innocent civilians on both sides. 
And no innocent man, woman, or child should ever be killed in the crossfires of war. It's wrong for innocent people to be taken hostage and murdered because they belong to a certain country. It's wrong for governments and terrorists to use innocent lives as pawns. It's wrong for innocent men, women, and children to be denied basic human rights like food and water in an attempt to pressure or manipulate another government. Regardless of the group or government that perpetuates it, it is wrong. Because sin is sin, regardless of who commits it. Many times, sadly, life is lived believing that some human life is less important than other human life. But as Christians, we live differently. We must live differently. We must seek to protect innocent human life. Now, we should grieve and lament when any life is taken because that life mattered. And we should speak out when injustice against human life takes place. And we should do what we can to help those who are suffering and to do so in Jesus' name. I wish we could, but we can't wave a magic wand to end war and violence. But we can pray. We can pray for peace. We can pray for those who suffer and are oppressed. We can pray for leaders to act in ways that protect innocent life. We can pray for God's justice to be enacted on those who perpetuate evil. And at the same time, we can pray that those same people, even the most wicked among them, would turn to Jesus. We can live out the truth of humanity's value as God's image every day. We can teach it to our children. We can show it in how we treat and speak to our loved ones and strangers. We can show it in how we speak about other people, even those people we really don't like. We can remind our leaders of this truth, and we show it when we help and serve others in need. And we can be a shoulder to lean on in times of crisis. And we can lean on each other in times of crisis and pray for and with one another. As we look at the world that is there following the flood in this passage, we, we see that this world that God starts over with is still a broken and sinful world. We realize these things will sadly continue. That God places laws in place to restrain evil, but it still exists. So the question we have to ask of ourselves not only of this passage, but of our world today, is is there any hope of a better world? And the answer is yes. But only through Jesus can there be a better world. We cannot fix the problem of sin in our world by ourselves because none of us can fix the problem of sin in our own hearts. We may not be guilty of physical murder, but we have sinned against God in many ways. We're guilty before him, and only Jesus can fix the problem. He makes the way for us to be near to God again. He transforms our sinful hearts. He is the one who willingly allowed his innocent blood to be shed so that we would be forgiven. And so that before God, we would be declared just as innocent 
as Jesus is. And so through faith in him, our sinful hearts are transformed into ones that follow and walk in Jesus' ways. And the beautiful truth is that God's kingdom has come. Mark 1, 14-15 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I think we all know that the kingdoms and governments of this world are flawed. They may do many good things, but there's also corruption, violence, exploitation, greed. But God has his own kingdom, one where he is king and where those things don't exist, where everything is good, right, and just. When Jesus began his ministry on earth, that kingdom, the kingdom of God, began to arrive. And all who repent and trust in the truth of who Jesus is are part of that kingdom. Even though right now that kingdom is unseen, it is no less real. When we live out love toward God and others, we are living out the values of God's kingdom. When we follow Jesus' teaching, we're living out the kingdom values. When we seek to be more like Jesus, we are living according to the kingdom of God. When we serve our neighbors and even show love to our enemies, we are following the ways of the kingdom. When we show and tell others who Jesus is, one of the core values of the kingdom, so that those far from him come near to him and join his kingdom, we are living out the values of the kingdom of God. And as we love God and love our neighbor in these ways, we can help make the world around us a better place and show people who Jesus is. But God's invisible kingdom will not always be invisible. God's kingdom is also coming. There will be a day when God sets the world right. It's not always going to be like this. One day, violence, wickedness, and evil will be no more. And all those who have perpetuated evil and who have not turned from their evil and toward Jesus will answer to God. And all who have trusted in Jesus will dwell with God forever in joy and peace, having had their sins forgiven. Yes, even their very worst sins. And yes, even the most wicked among us who have turned to Jesus will have their sins forgiven. Our hope is not, nor ever has it been, in the kingdoms of this world. It's not in who rules over a government on any given day. Our hope is in Jesus. And so as we await the coming of his visible kingdom, let us seek to live in ways that show the value of human life. Let us seek to protect human life in whatever ways we can. And let us follow in the ways of God's kingdom, showing others who Jesus is, the one who brings a better world. Let us pray. Lord, there is so much violence in our world, so much oppression and hate, and Lord, we pray for peace. We pray 
that people would see the value of human life as made in your image and likeness. We pray for you to transform hearts and minds so that more people may know you and more people may see that every human life matters. Show us ways that we can be a blessing to those around us, that we can serve others, that we can help stand up and say, life matters. And Lord, lead us in your ways. Help us to follow you. Show us the ways that you are calling us to follow you closer and in in new ways, Lord. We thank you and we pray, Lord, that you would come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and set up your kingdom visible. In Jesus' name, amen.